Step three, assigning the contract. So to your question, ma'am, uh, marketing for the buyer person is selling an option or assigning an interest in a contract to purchase a real property must disclose to any potential buyer that the person is selling only an option or assigning an interest in a contract and that the person does not have legal title to the real property. There's an actual code for that, right? So that's legal shit. Um, that's the only thing right now. Is there going to be more legislation coming forward in the future about you needing a license to wholesale? I think most likely. Most people are freaking the hell out for that. I get very excited because it doesn't affect me at all. Even if I wasn't licensed, I do not care. I'm very creative. There's a lot of ways of doing this. I can do a double close on a deal, which is I buy it. At that point, I am the owner. I bought it and then I resell it. I use transactional funds. There's so many ways of doing this business if you are resourceful and creative. So any legislation, I like it because it weeds out all the people that get scared from not doing the easy stuff. Assignment of contract. So you're finding the buyers. Like I said, it's here now, but typically I believe this is the part that you do first is find your buyers. So you go through RIAs. My preferred places aside from RIAs is networking groups, happy hours, lunches, coffee groups, because these groups are more intimate. They're more one-on-one. There, there. It's just a group of us. We're all having some beers, whatever, and just talking. You get to network much better. At the RIA, there's usually somebody up front speaking to you, trying to teach you something, right? There's no networking when that happens. It's great. You might learn something, but the real value of these events is networking. That's why I recommend everybody show up before the event starts. Do some networking. Don't go for the free food in the presentation. Go for the networking. Stay later. Network. Network with the person that organized it. The person that organizes these things usually has a big, big connection of resources, people, and everything. These are the people you want to be friends with. What I always do whenever I went to networking events is I find out who the, who the person organizing is, and I'll buy them a drink or so, right, throughout that event. I'll get them a drink. Why? Because they then remember me. When they remember me, I can reach out to them later and be like, hey, I got this deal. I don't know what to do with it. Well, don't worry about it. I got a buyer for that deal. Does that make sense? So you want to make sure you're going to these networking events. I used to go to probably two to three of them every single week for the first two years. That's how much networking I did. People thought I was a professional in this space because they saw me everywhere. I knew jack shit about real estate, but I was there. I was networking. I was talking to the people that knew it. Right now, the market shift, all I needed to do was pick up my phone and call a few people to know what the hell's going on in the market. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to go anywhere because I have the resources. I have the connections. I have my buyers. I don't have to worry about anything. I come across a difficult deal like I did before. Two months ago, I came across a very difficult deal, had some crazy liens on it. It was pretty much underwater. I called a buddy of mine. He's local. His name is uh, Logan Fulmer. If you see him on social media, um, he, he does a lot of the, like the dirty real estate deals. I called him up. I said, hey, I got this deal. I don't know what the hell to do. Ran the numbers. He's like, oh, yeah, you do this. This is a no, 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 no. Let's partner on it. I was like, all right. We partner on it. I give him 50%. That deal made like 70 grand on something I knew nothing about because it was crazy. We paid that seller four grand each seller for them to just walk away. And they gave us the property. We closed outside a title. So we had no title insurance. Like these are things I knew nothing about. You understand? But he knows a lot about. So I partnered with somebody that knows a lot about it. 
Well, how do I know him? Because I'm out networking. You understand? So this is how you build your buyers list. Um, Craigslist, I can't believe that's still there. Um, so this presentation was actually put together by Dan. So you can tell that he's been in it for a couple decades. Uh, Facebook groups is another one. Type in San Antonio wholesaling, San Antonio real estate investors, all that. Join every group possible. That's another place that you can find sellers. Uh, like I said before, previous cash buyers from the MLS uh, that owns multiple properties and hard money lenders as well. Hard money lenders is a good resource. Another good resource is Bigger Pockets. For those of you who don't know, go to biggerpockets.com. It's an online forum. It's pretty much full of investors and agents. Um, and you can find people that are doing deals all the times in your area. You can find buyers there. Any questions on building your buyers list? Also on, on my YouTube channel, I have a whole playlist built out on how to find your buyers list, how to build your buyers list, and how to pre-qualify your buyers. Because there's questions that we ask to make sure we're not dealing with other wholesalers. Um, so we, we try to find buyers that way. Assignment of contract. The assignment of contract, the contract itself is actually not a Trek form. We had our attorney draft one up for us. Um, so it's something that you can even Google it and find assignment of contracts on Google. There's a ton of them. I would recommend that you always get them reviewed by a real estate attorney, not any attorney, a real estate attorney. Make sure that it covers all the all the bases that you're going to need for uh, for Texas and for what it is that your business operates and how you do business. Um, this is a separate contract. So you're going to have your Trek contract that's going to be a title already. You submitted that contract to title. So titles researching the property, making sure there aren't any liens, making sure you're going to get a clear title. Then once you find a, a buyer, you're going to do the assignment of contract with that buyer. They're, you're both going to sign, agree on a fee that they're going to pay you for that. And then you're going to send that to title as well. Because once the property closes, title is going to cut the checks. You understand? So you don't have to worry about your buyer paying you. Um, and there's also, with when it comes, uh, let's see. Okay. I don't know if we're going to cover that later, but. You also want to, there's something called a non-refundable deposit. If you guys have been in the space for any amount of time, a lot of wholesalers ask for one. So a wholesaler will ask a buyer for a non-refundable deposit, three to five grand, whatever it is. This is for somebody, a wholesaler that has a deal. They find a buyer. They're not sure of that buyer. So they ask for a non-refundable deposit because in case that buyer does not close, there's a very high likelihood that that wholesaler is going to lose that deal because they're gonna piss off the seller and the seller might back out. So the wholesaler is running a lot of risk with that buyer. This is again why we vet our buyers first to make sure that's not the case. You understand? So you can do that. Now, this is completely up to you. Where this is, has been abused is wholesalers ask for a non-refundable deposit. The seller finds a bunch of crap about the property that the, the wholesaler never disclosed or didn't know about, whatever it is. The, whole, the buyer wants to back out because it's like, dude, this is not even what you pitched me. And the wholesaler says, well, screw you. I'm keeping the non-refundable. To me, that's bad business practice. You understand? Because like the buyer, you pitch them one thing and they're actually buying something completely different. That's bad. You understand? Your reputation does matter. Your word should matter to you. Um, so that's where I find issues with some of these wholesalers is they're doing this all the time. And they're just like, keeping the non-refundable or trying to force these buyers to close on a shitty property. I don't agree with that. I don't condone that crap. 
you know, I, I push you guys to do ethical real estate. There's plenty of money to be made on the ethical side of real estate. There's no reason to take advantage of people. You understand? So that being said, as a buyer, I've never paid an unrefundable deposit. I have brand and reputation with me. When I say yes to a deal, I buy it every single time. Not once have I backed away. You understand? So wholesalers know that about me, so they don't ask me for that because I won't pay it because of just that. There's that risk that I'm like, if you, if you know me, you know I'm going to close and you're still asking me, I feel like you're going to screw me over. There's something in here that you're not disclosing. You understand? So I don't like doing that. Um, so, but that's open to everybody. It depends on how you want to run it. So you have the standard HUD and a blind HUD. Um, when you're doing a closing, you can do the standard HUD. It's what we all know, what we all have done in a traditional one, but you can do a blind HUD. So the seller doesn't see that you're assigning this property. All the seller sees is that you're closing the property with them. That's all they need to see. They don't need to see anything else. Is there a problem with wholesaling the property? No, there isn't. But do sellers get, you know, cuckoo about it sometimes? Yes. If you tell them I'm going to assign it and all this, they're going to be like, well, why are you making this money? Well, you can't. You understand? Like, without me, you're not going to make this money. Without me, you're not going to sell this house. So my time, my effort is worth this much because I do have the buyer. You don't. You understand? So it's like, that's why I'm getting my assignment fee. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, the commission on a wholesale. So that's your assignment fee, right? That's what we keep saying, the assignment fee. I like to operate backwards where I look at where can I get it on the contract so it, it solves the seller's problems and everything. And then I look at where can I sell it so it makes sense for the buyer. And then whatever that difference is, is what I make. That could be, like I said, $128. It could be $75,000. All in between. You understand? I mean... It's a, it's a big range. It depends how how well I structure that deal. Yeah. At the time of the closing, you get that Yeah. So the seller sees. No. No, no. That that's what the blonde hut is. Because we don't. This doesn't all happen at the same time. Like the seller can come in and sign in the morning. The buyer can come in and sign in the afternoon. A hundred percent. Yep. Just to avoid those situations. And, and when I'm doing the big, uh, that I'm making a lot of money on a deal that I'm maybe making, you know, like pretty much anything over 30 grand, I'll end up doing a, what's called a double close. Because then if my buyer sees that they're paying me over 30 grand, they're like, Hey, screw you, man. Like I'm only making 25. It's like, well, what the hell does it matter? That's what you want to make. Like I'm, I'm the type of buyer that I've helped wholesalers wholesale me deals that they make more on the wholesale fee than I made on the flip. But I don't care because I want you making money so you bring me more deals. You understand? So I don't care if you make more money. All power to you because there's going to be other ones that you're probably going to make five grand on. And that's fine too, right? Because everything is going to average out. There's going to be more deals than not that you're going to not make a lot of money on. And then you're going to have some really good home run deals. And you need those home run deals to carry you through the really shitty ones that you've done. Right. So it, it's going to be a mix, mixed bag of things like that. That's why you can't be emotional about like, oh, it's, you know, I'm making 50 grand. That's just greedy. Why is it greedy? If the seller got what they needed and they're happy, the buyer getting it for the price that he wants and he's happy. We're all happy. Why can't, why can't everybody win? Right now, if you're taking advantage of the seller and they're like hurting and then you're screwing over the buyer because you're not disclosing stuff, 
now is when we get into that murky stuff that you see a lot of shady investors get into. And that's the stuff that I don't like, I don't condone, and it what upsets me about so many of the people that get into wholesaling just for the money. And they don't respect the process, they don't respect sellers, they don't respect buyers. I'm very big on reputation. I've been doing this for a long time. I don't have to worry about crossing the street and, and hiding my head. You understand? I've done business with investors for over 10 years. Uh, well, not over, over five years. Um, and I'm still doing business with the same investors. You understand? Nobody's ever run away from me. We still do business with everybody. That's more of how I like to operate. But a blind HUD is helpful with the sellers just because sellers are kind of like, um, you know, they spook easy. You understand? So it's a it's process that they may not understand and you don't have the time to explain uh, or for them to understand. And then it's like, I'm still solving your problem. Why am I going to complicate it by trying to explain it to you and then risk losing the deal just because, you know, you got scared. And then somebody's going to come in behind me, do the same thing. They're just not going to explain it to you. You know, and it's the same thing gets done. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm wondering if like the with the when you're under contract with the seller, what if they get foreclosed on in that option? Well, that's your business. You, you shouldn't let them for, get foreclosed on. Of course you can. Yeah, you, there's ways of delaying foreclosures. You understand? Like there's some some banks we've dealt with that just submitting the offer that we've given them with proof of funds is enough for the bank to delay the foreclosure until the closing date, right? So the banks would do that. There's a TRO that you can pay for, pay an attorney to do a temporary restraining order, which will delay the foreclosure. They can do uh, Chapter 7, 11, or I think 13 as well, bankruptcies, which will delay the foreclosure as well. And there's a lot of ways of delaying foreclosures. You know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, different tools that you can use to delay a foreclosure. So there's no reason why you should get foreclosed on. But that's the reason why a lot of times you can't list it because the listing, there's too much unknown. It could take 45 plus days, even if you find a buyer on day one. You know, there's inspection pairs. There's this, there's that. They don't qualify. There's too many unknowns. That's why it needs to be sold mo most of the time to an investor. Does that make sense? So that's your blind HUD. You can request it of your title company. You just tell them, hey, I just want to do blind HUD, and they'll just make sure that the seller doesn't see the other side. And then if you don't want the buyer to see how much you're making, you're going to do a double close. If you A double close, you have what is called uh, a dry closing and a wet closing. With, uh, with one, you're going to need to bring the money to buy side A, which is you and the seller. With the other one, you, you don't need the money. What ends up happening is side BC, so the side of the buyer comes in, buys the house, and then title holds the money, and then you close with the seller. They use that money to buy side A, and then you get the difference. So you can do it that way. Some title companies allow it. Some title companies don't, so you got to ask them. Um, and if they don't allow it, then you can do what is called uh, a double close, where, where you can borrow money, or if you have the money, you need transactional funds. It's what that's called. And you'll borrow the money to close with the seller and then close with the buyer and then pay that money back the same day or the day after, right? So it's transactional funds, okay? I know that's a lot, but that's not the point of this class. It's just I'm trying to give you as much as I can so you guys kind of grasp that. Cool? And that's a simultaneous close. 
Uh, yeah, so like I said, you need transactional fundings or simultaneous, uh, or you have the pass through funding, which is like I was talking about the wet close, dry closing, and title insurance. We get title insurance on all our properties that makes sure that the title has been cleared and there's, a, there's no problems. Does that work all the time? No, that's why we get title insurance. We've had situations when we try to sell the property, there's been a title issue that our title company initially didn't find. And now we have title problems. And those title problems can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, or it could cost you the whole deal. That's why you get title insurance. So then now the title company is liable for that, not you. You understand? We always get title insurance on all our properties. I'd rather them be liable. They have the big insur uh, insurance policies. Let them deal with it. I don't want to be coming out of pocket or being stuck with a property I don't want. So we get title insurance on all of our properties. And that's it. So that's the contact for Stepstone Realty for, for you guys that want it. And, um, and then that's my contact and email and everything like that. So any questions, anything you guys want to expand on with this whole wholesaling thing? Anything at all. I know I blew through all of it kind of quickly. So what do you guys want to expand on? What do you guys want to talk about? Yes, sir. Do on sell. So do on sell clause happens on subject twos, right? You take a property. Subject two is you're taking over it with existing financing. So it has a loan in place. You are buying the house with that loan in place. You're taking over those payments. So there is an, at most broke, uh, lender or contracts, they have the do on sell clause that because that was done, it triggers the due on sell clause, which allows the bank to call the note due. That means that it forces you to pay the whole note right now, right? Does that happen? Yes, it does. It's happened to a few people. It happened to us because the seller was a pain in the ass and kept calling the bank. Um, like, what are you doing calling the bank? Stop it. <laughs> you know, we don't need to alert them. There's a few ways of avoiding that. One, you can close with Alan Chester. He provides uh, insurance on that. So if that was to happen, what he does is he actually gets the property, deeds it back to the seller. That automatically cancels the do on sell call that the bank just did. And then we'll deed it. Once that's been done and the bank says, okay, everything's good, they deed it back to you. And we can do that as many times as we want. Another thing you can do if you're dealing with a smaller lender, this is what we've done in the past. We reach out to a smaller bank. We tell them, hey, yes, we bought it. We're making the payments. I have a tenant in place. The person was going to lose the home. Everything is current. Everything is good. The lender's like, all right, cool. They withdraw it. Doesn't happen all the time, but when you're dealing with small lenders, that's another way of doing it. All right? So those are pretty much the two best ways. Uh, another way is you actually sell the house. You know, you go ahead and you do that. Because it's not like do on sell, give me the money now. They'll give you like... 90 plus days before they even proceed with the foreclosure process at that point. Um, so you have plenty of time, so you can go ahead and sell it. But there are times where there's just no equity, you know, and that's what we told that small lender. We're like, look, there's no equity in this deal, like nothing. You guys can foreclose, but then you're going to have to do a short sell or, or take a hit on it. So we're making payments. We got a tenant in there. We're cash flowing, you know, and they're like, yeah, you're right. So they just let us stay. Will execute it? Oh yeah, there, there are lenders that will. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, but there's always ways around it. That's why, again, the, the network matters because when that happened to us, I didn't know what the hell to do. It was the first time it ever happened to me. Like, I was sold by every guru out there. That never happens. Uh, bullshit, it does. You know, and then it's like, what do you do at that point? So, but my network helped me out. I was able to reach out to people that have done this. And, they, you know, after I reached out, I was like, ah, this is nothing. But the network does matter. Any other questions? Suggestions, thoughts, things that didn't make sense? No, everybody's got it. Everybody's going to get out there wholesale tomorrow. I'm telling you, like, it's, it's by far one of the best strategies. You're, you're, if you're agents, you're coming across sellers all the time. There are sellers that you just look at and they don't have the time. They, they, they're distressed. They need to do it. If you have a few buyers in your pocket, you can help them out in two seconds, you know, and you can make more, a lot more than what a listing fee would be. You know, like a listing fee, you get your 3% or whatever it is on a wholesale. I mean, we haven't done a wholesale in years that hasn't made us at least 20 grand. You know, like all of our wholesales. Now, we don't do, a lot of wholesalers have the mistake that they say, you know, hey, uh, I, I got this deal on the contract. I'm wholesaling it for 10. They just put an arbitrary number out. Like, I don't do that. I do whatever makes sense. Right. Like if a buyer comes in and they're like, I can pay you this, but it's only going to make me four. All right. <laughs> you know, I better. It's still money. You know, I'm not going to be mad at it. I still rather make something than nothing. I already marketed. I want to help out the homeowner. Right. So I don't put an arbitrary number. I make sure to, to match it to whatever my buyer needs or wants. So that's what I do. And this is this is a basic class on wholesaling. This is just to give you an overview. Um, I've done. I do classes on like sales that we go in deep on a, on a script that I build out. It's like nine, 10 pages long, but it works very well. And, uh, we go over scripts, we go over, you know, cold calling techniques, marketing techniques, how to, you know, stack list. I use Excel for most of those things. I've, I've gotten very nerdy with it cause I used to be very, very broke. So I got very good at stacking and I can stack a list in Excel in like two minutes instead of paying a software to do it. Um, uh, so we go over a lot of those things. Uh, so definitely, you know, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel or just reach out to me with anything, you get a deal, you get a seller that needs to sell and you're like, I don't know what to do. Call me. And if they need to sell, there's something to do there. You know, I've done short sales. We've done it all. We partner with wholesalers all the time. You want to learn the flip process. We partner with you on that too. We'll bring the money. We'll handle the renovations, you know, and you get to learn that whole process of how to flip houses, how to do all that. So a lot of resources, guys. Take advantage of them.